is such a good question. I think part of it, if I'm being really honest, is was naivety. When I say that, it was a noise. It was the passion. It was a passion. It was a drive. It was a hunger. The entrepreneur. Right. Yes, that. You know, I was young and I was hungry. I wanted. When I was at when I, I was in a managerial position mm-hmm. um, at the time when I when I started my own business, and I just felt like I wasn't I wasn't happy. So it was it, it was an internal force, and and I, and I say naivety because you know looking back, you know, when I speak to my mentees, I, I say look, wait until you've got all your ducks in a row. Right. Um, I was still living at home back then, um, so I had at least something to fall back right. on. But you know, if any of my mentees, if they've got like if they've got families and stuff, I say. Take your time to really assess everything mm-hmm. because, like you rightly said in, in, at the start of this question, you know it's, it's a done di- it's a done thing now. You know that hustle thing is fashionable, right. but what people don't tell you is it's tough. Right. You know it's not always financially lucrative. You know are, are people really ready for what what right. being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. means? I don't know. Um, but for me back then it was that it was a little bit naivety, but it was a hunger and the right. drive. Hey everyone, you're listening to Item 13, a bi-weekly podcast covering everything African food, and I'm your host, Yom Tego. Every other week, we'll delve into the world of African food, chefs, curators, and bloggers. I hope you enjoy it. Happy New Year, guys. I'm thrilled to bring to you the dynamic Ronkela Wal. On this first episode of the new year. If you're a small food business owner or chef, this is one episode you should not miss. Ariatu Public Relations founder Ronke Lawal was born in Hackney, East London. Having graduated with honors from Lancaster University and the University of Richmond, Virginia, with a degree in international business, she started her own PR and communications business in 2004. Ariatu PR works with small businesses startups and entrepreneurs to help enhance their brand visibility, reputation, and media presence. In 2011, Ronke Lawal was honored to receive a precious award for inspirational leadership. She is a passionate advocate for enterprise, equality for all, and leadership. Her varied passions outside the business world include food, travel, music, literature, and most importantly, living a life she loves. We talk food business branding, Jamie Oliver, and yes, Niger Jolov too. Here's our conversation. Welcome to the show, Ronke. I'm excited to have you on. Um, I try to, I'm trying to do something a little bit different here. I'm bringing in experts who have experience in the food business so that those that are listening that are chefs, food bloggers, you know, thinking about going into their own food businesses can have different perspectives as to the team that can help them sort of elevate their food business game. So I thought bringing the best in the business in terms of PR and see what <laughs> see what you have to say um, to, to sort of help boost um, African food businesses around the world, actually. We have listeners around the world. So let's start by talking about you. So who is Ronke? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where did you grow up? Thank you. Thank you. This is really exciting. I love the, the podcast, so it's great to be a guest. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm a PR consultant, so I've had my own PR consultancy for well over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was born and bred, <laughs> literally, <laughs> in London. 
um, in East London Hackney, uh, Nigerian parentage. It was really interesting because one of the things, I mean, I love food, and it's, it's <laughs> this thing that I, and, and I realise as I'm getting older, it's more than just the love of the taste of food. Um, being born in the UK, but being a member of the diaspora, so having parents who, were, who grew up in Nigeria mm. and who settled here, Food for me is an identifier, so it's like a a, 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 a blanket, you know. Mm. It's comfort, and I and I say this because because I I I am I'm British, but I'm I'm also very much Nigerian yeah. in the way I see things, and I'm, I'm proud of it. Food keeps me close to, to Nigeria, even though I obviously I don't live there. Right. Food doesn't doesn't judge me or make <laughs> food doesn't ask me where I'm from. Yeah. I can eat my pound of yam and enjoy it and eat with my hands. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where you know that's where the love of food comes from. But also that's actually my background. Food has always been part of my background. Mm. And it's it's strange because I've I'm in I'm in PR, um, but I've always had this little thing about, you know, just looking for opportunities to work with foodies. I've had some amazing food clients. I even have a food blog as a hobby. Right. So I still kind of maintain that love of food and that connection with food. Oh, that's great. And and I guess that's how we met, right? Through the through the world of food. So this is not sort of our first interaction. Um, and I sort of like when I, I, you know, obviously I follow you online on social media everywhere. And when I think about our community, when I speak West African community in particular, and um, what people end up doing in terms of their work, life, vocation, etc. Mm-hmm. I always think, especially as immigrant um an immigrant population, we almost always have defined, and even Oji says this actually very well, we always have these defined sort of career paths that our parents have for us, right? So I always think when I see people do something different, like how did you sort of discover that and then decide, you know, this is what I'm going to do, like PR? That's such a good question because it's 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 an industry that is not very diverse at all, and I'm so blessed that, that I can I've got a connection with PR um, agents and consultants mm-hmm. on the continent. So there's a great collection of um, PR publicists that I'm, I'm in, in contact with. Oh, I feel very alone. Um, and frankly, obviously in the US and North America, there's, there's right. black publicists, but here. It's we're not we're not very good at that. So I didn't really necessarily see anybody who looked like me. But I'm very good. I love building relationships. I love business. Full stop. And it kind of it was I I it's a weird one because I was working. um, I had you know a great career. um, But then I thought I wanted to start a business, and I was working on a friend's business plan, and I noticed that I was quite good at the marketing element Mm -hmm. of it. And that's where it came. I just I, I decided to start my own. It was at the time because I rebranded yeah. marketing, business development, and okay. PR. Um, and, but the PR was a thing. Like over the past few years, hence rebranding about three years ago, to just, just focus on PR. The PR was the calling. It was a, It just came so naturally um, to me. Um, but yeah, it was. It's a weird one because, like you rightly say. The only safety blanket with that, the only safety, I guess, a safety with that mm-hmm. in terms of explaining it to my parents is I'm working with business, so I'm still doing business. <laughs> <laughs> if something you're doing business, it's still okay, you know? If, right. it was, if it was any more creative, I think I would have had a bit of yeah. a, a conversation. But, you know, I've been blessed. My parents aren't so bad. They're, right. they're, they're not too judgmental. Okay. <laughs> so then let's talk about that name. Aria. Where does Ariatu come from? What does it that, mean? That is actually my middle name. And my oh. middle name... 
is Chariatu. Okay. Um, and so I just take, I took something, and I just love, I love, and it's such a really, it's a really good question you asked. I love anything that celebrates myself, my mm. ethnicity, my culture, my heritage. And it's interesting because a lot of people ask me that, and it's for me when I look at it, it's one of the easiest names to pronounce in right. business because in PR there's a lot of interesting and unique agency names but I do wonder if when they see the name and they see me it's that you know that usual thing of oh how do you say that (laughs) (laughs) where's that from or where are you really from yeah tiny little things but it is part of my name and I think I chose it specifically not to give it too much of me because if I decided to you know pass it on or sell the business somebody could take you right. out yeah. you know it's not wrong kill out PR right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah it's and, and, and in terms of um, how I got it yeah it was just brainstorming and just okay. that love and it's what in essence Kind of going back right. to who I really am. <laughs> and, then, and then, so you talked about, you know, how you started it back over a decade now. Like, and I think mm-hmm. about, what, 10, 12 years ago, when starting your own business also wasn't this cool thing. Now now it's called entrepreneurship or a startup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and, you know, start the next big thing. Like, back then, it wasn't such a, a cool thing, if you want to call it that. So, sort of what... Um, you know, you've talked about the creativity, the passion that you had for it, but what sort of made you want to strike out on your own versus, you know, continue to work in, uh, you know, an agency, for example? That is such a good question. I think part of it, if I'm being very honest, is was naivety. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, there was a, but when I, when I say that, there was a noise, it was the passion, it was a passion, it was a drive, it was a hunger, the entrepreneur. Right. Yes, that, you know, I was young and I was hungry, I wanted... When I was at, when I, I was in a managerial position mm-hmm. um, at the time, when I when I started my own business, and I just felt like I wasn't I wasn't happy. So it was it, it was an internal force, and and I, and I say naivety because you know looking back, you know, when I speak to my mentees, I would say, look, wait until you've got all your ducks in a row. Frankly, right. um, I was still living at home back then, um, so I had at least something to fall back right. on. But you know, if any of my mentees, if they've got like if they've got family and stuff, I say. Take your time to really assess everything mm-hmm. because, like you rightly said in, in, at the start of this question, you know, it's, it's, a done, it's a done thing now. You know, that hustle thing is fashionable. Right. But what people don't tell you is it's tough. Right. You know, it's not always financially lucrative. You know, are, are people really ready for what, what right. being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. means? I don't know. <laughs> um, but for me, back then, it was a, it was a little bit naivety, but it was a hunger and the right. drive to create a life I And love. so then, back then, how did you convince, you know, people to work with you clients because i don't know you know what sort of your book of clients yeah. was at the time um yeah. you know what was that like oh that was really and you, you and you what? went really wrong kayla wow you know <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know but like today if someone said business forums online i'm sure people know what i'm talking about where you would go on and right. you ask a question and a bit like reddit i guess yeah uh, you yeah. answer mm-hmm. it so i would be on all those business forums i would go to networking events okay and i would pitch you know i'd find clients just from and i think it was a it was it was a mixture of you know luck tenacity of personality i think i used my personality mm. to just convince 
you know, clients that I was, um, you know, worth working with. But again, it's that, it's that young, you know, you've got the, the youthful bigger when well, you your eyes are still fresh. <laughs> now, look back, looking at it now, I'm like, wow, who was she? And I wish I'd bottled more of it up. Right, actually. yeah. So, so maybe in some ways it wasn't such a bad thing to start, you know, way back then when you didn't know what you know now, right? I think the older exactly. you get, the more risk averse you are. And exactly. it's just harder to take that sort of next step to do something for yourself etc um cool and so then you also serve a variety of clients right in different industries and and maybe this is just like my lack of knowledge of pr but like from a business perspective as a consultant you sort of have to have an understanding of the industries that your clients work in to be able to you know offer them advice Mm -hmm. right so i don't know Mm -hmm. if that's the same thing in the pr space and how do you sort of keep up to date on what's going on in the different industries that your clients work in and how do you sort of use that to help them with whatever services they come to you with? That's a great question. I think it's a slightly different model when it comes to mm. PR because you can have a framework. PR and communications offers a framework. So yes, you should understand um, a little bit, you know, not a little bit, quite a bit about the, the industry that your client comes from, but really your client is coming to you to propel them forward. So they're going to you for strategic advice based on PR and communications, which is transferable, actually. So as long as you, you know, you can transfer it to any industry, as long as you've got a good and solid framework Mm -hmm. of, you know, the PR and communication skills themselves, it is relatively fluid. And the majority of clients, they don't necessarily want me to advise them on the intricacies of their industry per se. As long as I'm very good at corporate awareness, so Mm -hmm. I just keep the tabs in terms of what's going on in the business world. And the majority of my clients tend to be startups or in the lifestyle industry. Mm -hmm. So it's not too difficult to keep tabs in those areas okay. I think so I've been yeah. blessed that's why PR okay. can work um, and then what sort of have been the challenges so you've been doing this over 10 years now what have been the primary challenges that you say of running your own business I think social media today makes it a little bit easier to get yourself out there you know you've talked about networking and events and all of that stuff but what sort of other challenges have you faced um, that's a really good one another good question Thank you. Um, for me, it's been a, the challenge of, of, of doubt. Um, mm, self-doubt and confidence is a major challenge. And I think we underestimate that. The challenge of, you know, not having to be perfect. I think we're always chasing that, that ideal of perfection right. before we kind of execute. So I've, I've kind of, I get, I've got over that in terms of <laughs> I like to action. My, my actions speak, speak volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, also financial, in the sense of I've been, I've been very blessed that I've my business has grown. I've got a great lifestyle business, so I, I work for myself. I can go wherever I want to go, mm-hmm. and it's, and I can have a really nice lifestyle. Um, in terms of scaling up, I've chosen at the moment not to because I enjoy my consultancy life as an individual, yeah. right? But I do appreciate and understand that that can be a challenge, and I think early on. Um, in my business, that was a major challenge. I used a lot of my risk, my own personal savings. I didn't have anyone to invest in me. Right. And I think it's really important to really consider how we can encourage scaling up an investment and really talking about money. And actually, as an aside from that, even just regardless of scaling up an investment in the business, just charging the right amount. Right. I'm really, you know, over the past few years, I've become so much more confident in terms of asking for right. the right fee from clients, those monthly retainers, and I don't back down. And it's such a blessing that once you become comf- 
comfortable and confident speaking about money, people will pay for your service. Right. Um, I didn't realise that, obviously, when I was younger, but now it's just I don't back down from what my fees are. People are more ha- more than happy to pay because they see the value. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, that, that you know, ability to speak about money, because actually... You know, I listen to a lot of other podcasts um, just as I think about, you know, what my post-corporate life is going to look like. And um, one of the popular ones is how I built this. Right. And it's so interesting Mm. to hear um, from the from a financial perspective, you know, how people raise money. And to be fair, there's not a lot of people from our community on on these shows. And so it's very (laughs) interesting to hear from from their perspective how, you know, like oh some aunt gave me a hundred thousand dollars like three hundred thousand yeah. dollars at me with just a little investment and then you think about you know how you're thinking about you know the small <laughs> business that you want to grow in just thinking uh-huh. of even getting twenty thousand dollars and how that's mm-hmm. probably a little bit more of a challenge in our community mm, so that's such, and you know what it's such a valid point you've just picked up on something and, and again as a member of the diaspora in the uk and in europe it's we, we it's really important for us to have those kind of conversations about generational wealth right. and we listen to a lot of us get so caught up in the the stories of these entrepreneurs mm-hmm. you know the success stories they're amazing and obviously it's great to be motivated by them but what we're forgetting is the social right. structures that are in place and like you rightly said you know when you start to dig you realize oh that person got inherited so it's yeah it's it's a it's a challenge i guess from from our perspective and so part of why i, I want to start focusing on experts is that from our experience sort of working with african food businesses i'm realizing that a lot of them are trying to do too much of everything right so if your if your expertise is making a sauce or you know or like cooking you're a chef mm. you shouldn't also be trying to do I mean, and as much as you can within sort of your constraints of finances, you shouldn't try to be doing your own social media, your own PR, your own finance, because then that sort of is distracting to what, you know, you're really good at. And then I think that's what sort of muddies your um, focus and then doesn't allow you to compete as effectively with sort of other food businesses, right? And in, in whatever space that you're in. And so I think that that's a thing that as we're trying to, as these companies are trying to bootstrap, also think mm-hmm. about how they can use their limited resources to take advantage of other expertise that will sort of help mm. propel them forward versus just trying to do everything Absolutely. themselves, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I hope that message starts to really get, you know, resonate because there is, I, and I think in the food industry, as we know, you know, money speaks volumes, right. but also just strategic, really look at the strategy beyond, you know, if you're a good cook, chef, or, or whatever, create a good food creator, or, as you mentioned, sources or something, right. recipes, really think beyond your your right. skill and think how can you maximise those skills. And if it means partnering up with somebody mm-hmm. and investing, it's worth it. Right. If you've got those long-term plans for yeah. you, it's definitely worth it. Um, so I actually think this is a good time to take a short break. And then when we come back, I want us to delve more into the topic of PR for food businesses in particular. And then we'll sort of wrap it up with, you know, your food blog and then the rapid fire questions. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> So welcome back. Um, I think we're now going to delve more into this topic of PR and African food businesses. 
And I think we sort of missed this in the first half of the show. So why don't we take a step back and talk about what is PR? What When we say public relations, what does that mean versus advertising, marketing, you know, etc.? Sure. Public relations is, in essence, the effective management of a, a brand's reputation. It's about communicating that reputation effectively and building solid relationships with the public or member of the, my members of the public right. in which a brand or organization wants to speak to so it's different from advertising in the sense of with an advert you're selling directly right, right. pr is an ongoing communications process and, and you're building trust with that and that's why a lot of um organizations use pr for media relations specifically mm-hmm. so they're trying to get into the press because once you know a, a consumer or customer or client reads a good review or reads a positive write-up it builds that reputational branding and that reputational um, image of the organization or that brand so that in a nutshell okay and then what um what are the typical you've sort of covered it on an umbrella level if you will but what Mm -hmm. are the typical services let's say top three to five services that a a good pr firm would would offer and then if i'm coming into the space as an african food business what should i be looking for you know in terms of defining what a good pr firm is like you know in terms of fit etc Excellent. So a good PR firm should offer uh, crisis communications. I don't know why I started that confusing, <laughs> but it's important for food because I'm sure some yeah. food businesses have gone through that. So crisis, so managing, you know, that how you can communicate a crisis effect, how you can c- communicate effectively within a crisis and how you manage the response to a crisis. Media relations, which is, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, is engaging with the press, um, getting interviews in the press, getting really good, you know, press coverage. But right. Press coverage has to tie in with an overall strategy. It can't be like an ego-driven thing. It has to be about how we, who are we speaking to? Are we reaching the correct audience? Right. And then finally, I'm going to make it a bit more relevant to, to our day and age, our digital age now, influencer engagement. So PR is now starting to cover that digital space. Okay. And so we're working with, um, you know, online writers, online bloggers and influencers and content creators, YouTubers to help us um, right. share communication to core audiences. And I think that's really effective because these influencers have their own audience. Right. And th- those, that, those, uh, the elements of those audiences can speak to the audience of our clients. So I think it's really important to, to, to get to know and understand the digital space with, when it comes to PR. Yeah, and, and uh, it's interesting that you talk about influencer engagement because I'm sort of one of those people that's sort of on the fence about that a little bit mm. because... It, there's, uh, I don't know. It's it's always hard. To, <laughs> you know, you can tell I'm trying to <laughs> go for it. Because it's one of those interesting, it's, it's a fascinating topic, and I love talking yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's on the one hand, like, how do you tell like what true influence an influencer has, right? You know, like who who's, who's buying followers and like how many of those one million followers are actually engaging with mm. with that influencer, right? And so mm-hmm. if I'm going to spend X amount of dollars or pounds, I guess, um, mm. on this influencer, That's... how do I know that I'm getting, a, you know, a great bang for my back? This is a fantastic question. And, and this is where 
And this is where the, the line starts to blur between advertising and PR okay. because in, in the digital space. Because if you're paying an influencer to uh, post something, that's clearly an advert. That's right. a sales-driven yeah. um, post. But if you gift you gift an influencer something and say, look, would you like to review it? And to, if you like it, or even if you don't like it, just speak to your audience authentically about okay. it. That's more along the lines of the reputation I was talking oh, about okay. because you're building a reputation. But you're right when it comes to the... The, um, the space now, too many people are buying followers and likes and comments. And right. It's ridiculous. So there are tools available, which I encourage people to just do some Google research to find some mm-hmm. of the tools. And also the, the ways to spot um, fake um, fake influencers. I hate to use them. There are fake influencers, <laughs> You know, lack of engagement. Um, if you've got a million followers, um, but you've only got two comments. So, for example, <laughs> if you post something, we know, for, we know the engagement usually engagement or likes when it comes to likes mm-hmm. they're usually around one percent two percent of your follower okay. following um so you can never expect a million likes if you've got a million right. followers yeah. so just be realistically between two to five max percent unless you know you're really, really famous right. like i don't know beyonce <laughs> um and then then you look beyond that you look at the comments if you've got a lot of engagement then that also shows us real authentic um uh, following however like I said some people do buy comments right. so again you've got to use some of those tools to test and like you say I think it's not difficult I, I use common sense but I realise common sense isn't always common <laughs> yeah. it's not difficult to start to spot like I feel like you know with some of the foodies that I follow and some of the business I follow you can kind of see who, who's really authentically got that following mm-hmm. because people are just speaking you know asking questions real questions right. and then there's others where it's just like hi or you know really <laughs> random comments yeah. so it's yeah it's about using being wise but again yeah. it can only help if you've got you know maybe a social media person who can keep track because it's, right. it's difficult actually yeah. um so this is actually a good time to sort of segue into like your top PR tips for food businesses, in particular sort of our African food businesses in terms of what mm. they should be thinking about PR-wise or reputation-wise. Mm. Um, yeah, there's so much. And, but, and obviously we, can't, we haven't got all, all, right. all day. But, um, you know, for the f- first, first, first of all, we obviously clearly identify your audience as you would right. with any marketing mm-hmm. business strategy. Understand who your audience who you're trying to tell your story to. Really be clear with your messaging. So that's why the comms element um, comes into play. Really be clear about your messaging. What's your brand ethos? Then think about your visuals. And I just cannot, you know, stress <laughs> how important it is. And we'd be surprised. Like, I don't know why people don't get this, but it's, you know, even if you can't afford a photographer, just, you know, invest in a decent phone. And you can yeah. buy it. It's not even just, oh, you actually have some excellent phones that take really good pictures, but right. a, a decent camera. Um, to take good quality pictures of your food. So if you've got food products, take good pictures of your food products. If you're a restaurateur, if, you, if you're a chef, you know, really invest in good photography. Then if you've got, you know, on a cycle, I'd say minimum every quarter, write a press release. Press releases are a really good summary story yeah. of what you're doing in your brand. Write a good quality press release, use it on your website, but also send it to journalists and food bloggers and food influencers to update them on the progress of your company. And I don't think enough African businesses do yeah, that. That's actually like think, a really good point. Yeah, I think it's important. <laughs> but they don't do that enough. <laughs> Interesting. I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought of doing <laughs> 
Uh, that's a good one to remember because then you're keeping people like top of you're keeping your your brand top of mind, right? Of exactly, you know, and that's where it that's where the whole reputation and the, the you know it's, it's communication, right? right? So obviously, if you've got nothing to share, don't share. <laughs> I always say every quarter aim for something. Right. You know, it could be something new on the menu, or it could be something new that you're doing a, a YouTube series, or you know, a recipe, right. something. And the most successful um, food businesses that I know in the UK, that's they've got you know. A Aside from obviously having a PR agency or a PR consultant assigned to them, they regularly feed out updates about what they're doing, you know, new menus. And I think I don't see that enough from African right. businesses, honestly. I think a lot of now the generation just focuses on social media, but if again, traditional, you know, right. traditional techniques still work and right. they work very well. Okay. So it's important to just take the time okay, to do that. Cool. Um, so I wanted to talk about Jamie Oliver for a second, (laughs) you know, because we're doing PR, we're, you know, talking UK, so, um, let's talk about Jamie, so we, we all know, we should all know, at least if you're in the food space, of his, first his gaffe with jollof rice and sort of that backlash that came with that, and then Mm -hmm. I actually thought of him because I just saw, and I don't know if you saw this, a recent, um, Indian recipe that he shared while working with a specific with a certain brand mm-hmm. um, that got yeah, sorry. sort of that demographic up in arms it was like a burnt ch- chicken tikka versus you know he was calling it chard and then it became this whole thing about you know um, which may call cultural appropriation etc etc and so first of all like what are your thoughts about Jamie generally speaking and then maybe we'll do this two ways. If you were his agent, like, how would you be crisis communicating this <laughs> away? You know what? You know what's really interesting about Jamie? I think people, he gets lost in the, in the, in the narrative is that he's an exceptional, you know, entrepreneur, businessman. He's, he's so like, when you look at what he's, he's managed to accomplish, yeah. I cannot discredit him i just feel really? like he's a very strong he has a very strong brand when it comes to food mm-hmm. food what he tends to do which i think you know a lot of foodies should probably do is he tries to innovate and he tries to educate and he tries to open up new cuisine to mm-hmm. his audience the problem i find is he, where he could probably what he could probably do is maybe invite a foodie of that ethnic background yeah. or that you know in and he can still be part of the platform, right. but he should probably be inviting someone, you know, <laughs> a Nigerian, an Indian, right. a Ghanaian. He should invite, you know, a, a fresh talent side by side. You know, if I was his publicist, that's what I'd be saying. Because I think it would be really exciting right. for him to be um, inviting those people onto his platform. And he wouldn't take anything away from him because he's a multimillionaire right. and he's got such a great brand. I think what he's doing is, and that's where the idea of cultural appropriation comes mm-hmm. in, he's just taking up, it, it, it looks like he's taking over. But I do think his intention mm-hmm. is, is right. He's just, the execution right. just comes off completely wrong. Yeah. Remember, I mean, the thing that's funny, we, 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 we can, we can, you know, we can diss him all we like, but ultimately he had people, more people talking about Jollof rice than right. actual Africans. Yeah. You know, he made it global. And actually, you know, he did us a, he did us a favour with Africans, and I think hopefully more Af- African businesses have taken advantage of that. Um, and all other kind of, you know, whatever cuisine he, he miscooks or mis- <laughs> he misappropriates, hopefully they take advantage of it too. Well, yeah, so then, so, so then from that, from coming from that angle then, if you were working with an African food business and there was a moment where sort of Jamie had a gaffe, like how would you work with them to sort of capitalise 
on that moment where everybody's paying attention to jollof or chicken tikka or whatever. Yeah, there's two ways because what you know we could easily do. You could you could really do a brand focus on your jollof rice raid through a restaurant. Yeah. You know, welcome the world, invite local news in. There's going to be so many um, opportunities for right. press when you know when he when he does these um, and then <laughs> these gaps. But on the flip side, you could also say, look, you know, world jollof rice is great, but that's not all we eat. Okay. You know, or when oh, that's could, really you know, smart. Yeah. Is great, but. <laughs> that's really smart actually yeah just flipping yeah. it and just not and then you sort of take the focus away then it's not so much of a diss of Jamie but saying hey like look what else we have to offer exactly, yeah, that's, exactly. That's good. <laughs> okay um so then you also run a food blog <laughs> yeah um who's for dinner which I always yeah I've always seen that that sort of um title and I'm wondering like why who's for dinner and not what's for dinner <laughs> <laughs> for you to sort of explore the foodie side of, of, of yourself, right? Yeah, just anything, you know, it's just, and I, and I, and I, and I have a little bit more of an emphasis on, on, on um, Nigerian West African okay. food, or African food actually, globally, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm as, I, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm British born, so European food comes into play, okay. it's also part of who I am, right. I like to just eat out, I cook a lot at home, I'm very... I'm, I, I'm one of these people who could I'll either go to a restaurant once in a while or I'll yeah. cook, but I rarely ever have, you know those ready meals? You know, yeah, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. I can't do a ready meal. I can't do anything like that. Or even takeaway bread. Like a takeaway treat is really like, oh, okay, I'm really tired. I need a treat. Yeah. But yeah, so. <laughs> Interesting. Actually, I didn't, this is not one of the questions that I thought about before, but once you mentioned sort of, you know, your British Heritage, Nigerian heritage. What What are your thoughts on like this this movement, if I want to call it that, on like African fusion food? And I'm thinking about that because I this weekend I was at a Nigerian fusion um, food event, um, which was great. The food was great, but it just had me thinking again about you know how much are we as we're trying to bring uh, food to the rest of the world? How much are we trying to cater to Western preferences and palates versus putting forward you know our authentic oh wow right and so in in and there's sort of i mean you're in london so you've obviously heard about equally and what the Mm -hmm. work that they're doing there there and i think it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on that too just yeah i think and i think 
Because being in London is a great city to be in, so you see lots of different kinds of cuisine, Turkish, Chinese, Italian. But like you rightly said, it's we get we get those those cuisines in their authentic states. Now, obviously, they're not going to be exactly the same as in the country of origin. We know that because they do have to, you know, tone down certain ingredients. They might be able to get certain ingredients. Mm -hmm. So there's certain. But overall, the authenticity is there. You know, when I'm going through right. Brick Lane, when I go for a curry, majority of the time you still get an essence of, you know, Bangladesh or India right. or Pakistan. And so what I find is, and then obviously as the popularity increases, that's when you can innovate and become right. more yeah. uh, European as such or just innovative. But with Nigerian food, you're right. I think it's a win because in New, for example, in New Cross, um, uh, Old Kent Road, I should say, there's lots of Nigerian, Ghanaian mm-hmm. um, restaurants. And I think the majority of them are very authentic. The problem is they're not selling themselves in a way that uh, is open. So people, most, if you know where to go, you'll go right. find yeah. your Nigerian or Ghanaian food or any kind of West or African food. But they're not, they're not, they're not uh, marketing in a way that makes it accessible. Right. And so what you're finding is a more modern food entrepreneur feels that they need to, to make it accessible, they need to, in an over innovative <laughs> sort of like you say, right. to make it palatable. And I just feel like can we can we just first get the foundation right? right? Yeah. Let's get people to know, you know, what our soups and stews are about first. And then we can do right. this amazing kind of, you know, I don't know, innovation which is great. I feel like it's it's it, we can do both. Right. But I feel like it's still a long way to go. In terms of, you know, I want them to talk about our soups and stews, the way they talk about curries mm-hmm. or, or Thai food or, do you know what I mean? I just right. really feel like it's a long way to go. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with you. And I think that that's my stance too, in that, like, I've been to, you know, I've had the traditional, like, Indian food, right? Like the naan and the curries mm. and all of that good stuff. And I've also been to, um, especially when I lived in South Africa, like, Durban is known to be sort of the hotbed of Indian food. And mm. so in Durban, you'll find all sorts of quirky, interesting um, variations of Indian food. So, but, so when I've gone to like restaurants in, in, in Durban, I've had, you know, like a curry that's done in a completely different way. Like I appreciate it knowing what original curry is supposed to be like and then what they've done with sort of their version of it, right? But if people mm-hmm. are being introduced to... Um, I don't even know what you want to call it, like Afro-Riro in like a, in a way that's just not recognizable <laughs> for their first time, right? Like that's, I don't know. For me, it's great as a foodie to sort of experiment and experience that. But I think as an introduction to our cuisine, that sort of, I don't know. I don't exactly. know what the answer is, you know, to exactly. Well, it's a little bit, if we look at it from, 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 from a, a trade perspective, business perspective, you know, you start with the industrial revolution, so you start with the basics. Right. Then you kind of drive up and you innovate to the tech, you know. So I feel like, let's start with the real raw, if I think about British food, real raw roast, you know, roast <laughs> yeah. and veg and gravy, and then you can innovate and become a Michelin star yeah. and do bits and pieces. I feel like it's important to get the authenticity right first, and then... And, and really like promote and push yeah. and let people know and beyond jollof rice people are always going to talk about jollof rice <laughs> it's the only thing any of us and, and it's, and it's um, funny because I, I'm probably one of those that's sort of guilty of um, pushing and and to be to be honest, it's not sort of my favorite thing to eat. But like, <laughs> but I come I come I come at it from the perspective of okay, if this is the thing that's gonna 
start a conversation about African food, then fine. Like, I'm just going to throw my hands in the air and, and do it. Because then you will have Mark Zuckerberg and Prince Charles and whoever, when they come to Nigeria, and, you know, like, when they come to Nigeria or Ghana, like, that's the, that's the thing, because they've read somewhere that that's the thing I should talk about. And so, <laughs> for better or that's for true. worse, right, I think that that's it true. at least gets the conversation started. That's on, like, true. And then, you know, I'm guilty of talking about plantain all the time, and actually plantain is you know what I mean? But then we also remember we're forgetting that, you know, East African cuisine, Ethiopian yeah. cuisine, we've been doing really, really well. For, and that's yeah. one of the cuisines that comes in its authentic right. self. And it's almost like they don't even need to talk about it because it's whenever yeah. I walk past any Ethiopian restaurant in London, it's packed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm always, it's, I, that's, that's, fascinates me so much too because you're right it's it's so authentic like they don't do anything to change like in some of the ethiopian places you sit on the floor like you eat with your hands into the yeah. whole communal eating thing and it's not like people don't struggle with that you know and so i i, I don't know how ethiopians did it <laughs> i don't know how the rest of the yeah and how the rest of the continent sort of needs to be thinking thinking about that too yeah um great so uh, let's talk about then like how you find balance i'm always and, and this is sort of my theme for the rest of the year 2019 like finding balance right like i feel like um, especially for women, I don't want to make this a women thing, but like African women, black women, there's just so much that we have going on or that we feel we have to have going on juggling. And so for someone like you, at least from what I can see online, <laughs> like, you know, between Ariatu and blogging and, you know, I know you do a lot mm-hmm. of volunteer work and you speak mm-hmm. at events. You keep mm-hmm. black Twitter lit. <laughs> and sort of, and then the rest of your personal life, right, that we don't get to see online. Like, how yeah. do you find that balance? How do you take care of yourself while sort of keeping all these balls of your life, like juggling oh, up in that's the air? But the clue is in the question. It's, it's also keeping my, my personal life and private life offline. So I'm very engaged. I love social media. I love how, I love just watching, you know, this renaissance and how the media is changing. Um, but I've also managed to separate that from who I am mm-hmm. at home. I might dip in a little bit. I might show it tiny yeah. bit of, of what I'm doing. But it, it really helps, actually, um, you know, from a, from a holistic level, it really does help to keep me grounded and also helps to to make to, to keep me switched off. So once I'm off, I'm off. You know, I I, I I'm good at using tools to um to help with you know scheduling my social media content mm-hmm. and then also because I just don't overthink things like Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. So you know, I might post once or once or. Tw- once or every one or two days on Instagram, but I don't. I'm not. I don't consider myself to be an influencer, so I don't yeah. have any pressure to post my right. two, you know, two hours or something. <laughs> but on Twitter, if I'm, you know, for me, Twitter is so easy. It's like the easiest yeah. thing to be on. Um, but yeah, it's really important to have a to have a, a, a not a private life that is yours right. and knowing when to switch off. You know, my weekends are mine, and there'll be some day like I just. I can just do, I can just, once all my work is done and my clients are happy, my weekends are mine, nobody can really disturb me, I can <laughs> right. do what I want. And I think it's really important, um, that self-care, mm-hmm. and it's not about, you know, necessarily going for a massage or right. you know, treating myself or going shopping, but it is just about knowing when to switch off and right. also recognising the value in all our platforms. So how are we managing all our systems? I mm-hmm. get I get help, I outsource when I need to outsource, 
can't do everything myself. No. Automate when I need to automate, but also like you know, if if Twitter was for me, Twitter's not toxic, but if it was, if it really became toxic, then I wouldn't use it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know what I mean. So it's just knowing how you 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 manage it for yourself and, and what your intention is with okay. each of these platforms. Good. Um, let's see. So then what's next for, um, Aria to PR? Cause I know, you know, you've talked about sort of keeping it small, um, and manageable. You're not thinking about scaling mm-hmm. up yet, but mm-hmm. sort of when you think about even the next year, what do you think, um, is next for you? Yeah, that's right. I think for me, I, um, it's interesting, you mentioned earlier in, one of your, in your question earlier about speaking, and more and more I've been invited to speak, mm-hmm. and um, whether that's keynote spe- speeches or facilitating seminars um, on PR or personal branding. So for me, I'm seeing it as something there that I'd like to, to tap into okay. more of. And that means obviously utilizing myself, like right. literally being visibly, <laughs> visibly around. Right. So again, um, I'm going to really try and see how I can I can get more into the space of just, you know, speaking, but not just for the sake of speaking. All my speaking is intentional. It's mm-hmm. not about becoming famous. And becoming, <laughs> it is about serving a purpose to right. an audience. So all of my all of my speaking engagements have been um, intentional. Um, and the business, you know, I love, I'm, I'm really blessed. I'm getting more, interestingly enough, uh, recently getting more food clients. So that's really exciting. Yeah. African food clients, that's quite exciting. Um, and potentially more in terms clients once in a while at least every you know every so often i'm getting an international client but it would be great to get some more mm-hmm. and if i do get more international clients then i think that would give me the catalyst you know encourage me to perhaps you know get more uh, staff on board but we'll see if i get more if there's a, a global appetite for arab to yeah. then yeah we'll, we'll see how we <laughs> open up an office somewhere else yeah. you know? <laughs> Well, I certainly hope that happens for you because I think what you do provide a valuable, so invaluable service, actually. And I hope that, you know, the African food businesses that are listening actually really take a step back to think about how they're communicating to the rest of the world in terms of what mm. they're doing or how they can better do that if they're doing that already. Um, and I think part of why I wanted to speak to you and share sort of what you're doing is that I think it's a really critical sort of almost missing piece in a lot of what these businesses are doing. So hopefully um, everyone that's listening got something good out of this. Um, and actually, before we transition to Rapid Fire, can you let people know where they can find you online, social media, etc., so that if they want to get in touch sure. with you... Sure. I'm um, ronkelawal.com, ariatupr.com. And if you find me, you can, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I'm on YouTube uh, as well. So you can find me all over. Oh, that's media. right. You know, we forgot to talk about I love your YouTube videos. I'm sorry. Oh. Forget to talk oh, about you. that. We're running out of time here, but that's like a really good resource for anyone that's sort of trying to sort of figure out if PR is a good fit for them or if ariatupr specifically is sort of good for them. Like you have a really good Thank authentic you. voice, I think. And especially for our community, I think it's always nice to work with someone that sort of understands the community and sort of where you're trying to go with with your business. So YouTube also, I'll remember to link link to your YouTube when I when I put this out there. Um, Thank you. Okay, so rapid fire questions. Uh, let's go. I think these these are pretty easy actually. Okay, let's do this. Um, swallow or rice. Swallow. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, buffet or a la carte? What do you think? Buffet. 
always it's a hit or miss right depending on how yeah. long it's been out there and like i don't even know yeah that's just um unless a place has a really good reputation for the epithet like i just exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know you're not gonna get food poisoning yeah. it's fine <laughs> um red wine or white wine Ooh, red every time okay coffee or tea tea every time i think you answered this question already but dine in or take out Dine in. Yeah, yes. I think you did mention that a little bit. <laughs> um, are you a morning person or night person? Ooh! Can't I be an afternoon person? <laughs> <laughs> I peak in the afternoon. Really? I'm better, at, I'm better at night, I guess. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, so maybe if you're an afternoon person, you're probably closer to a night person. Because I'm a, <laughs> definitely a morning person. Like, I can oh, really? start my day at 5 and be done by 3. Like, by 3 p.m., I'm just zonked out. Like, that's when I start to do, like, admin stuff, stuff that doesn't require me to think really. <laughs> By then I'm just like all shot. Um, I think I know the answer to this too. Instagram or Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so I was also going to ask you this about Twitter. Is there any top, cause I feel like you, you literally pop culture, everything you're on it. Like, but is there any topic that you wouldn't touch on Twitter? Oh, that's an excellent. Oh my goodness. You know what, if I don't know, like, stay in my, you know, stay in my lane, there is something I don't know about, I am not open up that kind of word. That's probably why I enjoy it, because I know myself. Why am I going to talk about things I don't know about? There's certain topics that, most things, because I'm I'm a liberal, you know, a liberal thinker, I I think people should enjoy themselves and their lives. So I'm okay talking about most things, but if there's something that I'm like, whoa, then I won't even touch it okay. like, and i don't know anything about it then there's no yeah, yeah. but would you even <laughs> put it out there if you wanted to learn about it for example um or just wouldn't just because of how vicious twitter can yeah, get just not you know, i'm trying to think what it would be because most of the time you know what i'm i'm one of these like most of the time i'm trying to think there's nothing really i would google i wouldn't even ask <laughs> Okay, and then I cringe when I ask this question, but I have to ask Ghana Jalof for Night Jalof. Ah, I don't this one. <laughs> <laughs> I eat. Okay, you know what? Let's go back to the previous question. That's the topic I like to stay clear about. <laughs> That's what I don't tell you about. But, um, okay. You know what? It depends on the. You know, it depends on the season because I've had some really delicious Ghana Jalof. Thank you. And I've had some really delicious. <laughs> I have for you to what your favorite African restaurant anywhere in the world and why and why it is your favorite African restaurant. Ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh my goodness. Um the names see now you're putting me on the spot. There <laughs> is one, there is there's a couple actually. It's a difficult one because um mm. quite a hit of names. There's a blue it's somewhere called the Blue Nile, which is in southeast oh. London in Woolwich. 
Um, in, in Woolwich, Southeast London, that's an Eritrean Ethiopian oh, restaurant. Okay. Love that place. Um, I actually, I actually really enjoy. Um, I used to really enjoy Eight Hundred Five. I haven't been in a while. And then there's there is there's one in Hackney, a Nigerian restaurant. It's going to really bug me. Um, I haven't been in a while in Homerton. Okay. This Nigerian restaurant is absolutely amazing. I wish I'd written it down because now I'm it's going to bug me. I can't remember. <laughs> But um, it's amazing. We're in Homerton in Hackney, and that I think actually out of all of, all of the restaurants I've spoken about, that is probably my favourite. They oh, do amazing. Okay. Yeah, they do really good. They're, they're one of those, you know, Nigerian, authentically Nigerian. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, that's good and to also know. there's another really good Ethiopian restaurant in Camberwell. Okay. Actually, yeah, I think that one beats Blue Nile. Sorry, Blue Nile, if you're listening. But um, if you Google Ethiopian restaurant Camberwell, yeah, that will come up. Okay. It will come up, and it's amazing. Sorry. Okay. I just... <laughs> no, <laughs> that's okay. And I need to. I will need to remember that for the next time I'm in London, especially the Nigerian restaurant, because unfortunately, I I just haven't had the best of experiences with oh. with Nigerian, and it's not not to knock off, and which is. Part of why I actually started my platform and all of this, because I, I just felt like people can cook well, but everything else, they just need to to sort of raise their standards with that a little bit. Yeah. So, so yeah. I just I haven't think- had maybe... And Achuku's London is, is good. I had it when they had their pop-up in, in Hackney. And I thought for me, sort of, that was the best. But it's not like a standalone, you know, it's a pop-up thing. So when I think of sort of... A permanent site for a restaurant, Nigerian restaurant. I there's just none that comes to mind. Yeah, try it. I, I, I just can't get the name come back to me. Echo Restaurant in Hamilton. Okay. So try it, um, and also try you know Tokumbo's Kitchen. Tukumbo, I've Tokumbo actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pop she up. Does, um, so that's the thing. Pine- like, uh, I've had like good pop up experiences. And I'm also thinking again to the point about, and it's probably tied to financial reasons, right? Like having a exactly. lot of these be, become permanent sites because, you know, you go and expand it and, you know, if you're craving it on a particular Saturday or whatever, there's no place to go because you're not. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's a, but you know what? We sometimes, I think we, we need somebody who could do like a, a food tour of Nigerian, Ghanaian, um, actually, really, there's not an Ethiopian restaurant. There's not many other cuisines. There's the Senegalese, isn't there? Yeah. There's not many other African mm-hmm. cuisine restaurants, standalone restaurants in London. We do need to get like a list of real kind of right. quality. Well, that's not a bad um, idea, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's time. But again, it comes with the publicity. And if journalists yeah. you know, are interested, then they'll do it. Yeah. If journalists are interested, they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Good point. <laughs> this is fantastic. Okay, thank you for agreeing to do this. It's such a pleasure talking to you. Thank um, you. Yeah, this is great. And I actually learned some stuff that I didn't even know yet. That press release <laughs> idea on a quarterly basis, like, even just for someone like me that's not tangential to the food business, it's it's good to sort of get out what we're doing on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, and you do so much. So you really do need to make sure you put that down because I think yeah. the world needs to hear more about you. You do amazing work. Thank you. Um, so great. Yeah, so hopefully people get a lot out of this. I think that they will. And um, we'll put out your information so people can get in touch. And thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Item 13, an Essence 13 production. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes. To keep up to date on news and events from Essence 13, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Essence and the number 13. Thank you.